Welcome to the Whole Assistant Podcast. I'm your host, Annie Croner. I'm a former assistant who's passionate about our profession, and I'm also a certified coach who's invested in your success. You've come to the right place if you want to know what it looks like to stand in your power and achieve success as an assistant free from overwhelm and burnout. Now, on to today's episode. Hello, how are you today? Today, we are talking about money and happiness. And I have spent a lot of time thinking about the subject of money and the subject of happiness as it relates to my own life, as it relates to my client's life, and actually as it relates to people I used to support and their lives. And I just wanted to share my perspective on happiness and on money today. To start out, first of all, just let me say that I am a huge fan of women having money. (laughs) because more money means more options. And I love this for us as women, where traditionally and historically speaking, women have really been excluded from wealth, especially women of, uh, of minority and people minority in general. But women have been excluded from wealth. I mean, we couldn't even own our own homes until the 60s <laughs> for a lot of us. So it's just really interesting to see and fascinating for me to think about how far we as a society have come. And yet, we still have some beliefs, some socializations that have held us back from money and from having more of it. And one of those kind of beliefs, if you will, is I don't want to rock the apple cart. I just want to be thankful for what I'm given. I don't want to ask for more because I don't want to be seen as greedy or selfish. And those thoughts have held us back from obtaining more wealth and really for asking for what we're worth. And so anytime I'm working with a client and they come to me and they either want to raise or they're negotiating a new contract or whatever the case may be, we talk about it. And we talk about how men, it's just natural for them to negotiate more often than not. And for us as women, there can be some real challenges there. And I always encourage my gals, especially when they're negotiating a new contract, to never accept the first thing they are offered in a written offer. Always ask for more. Uh, just so you know, you aren't leaving any money on the table. I could probably talk about money all day because I am just so passionate about women in particular having more of it. And I also feel like women having more money means more of a balance of economic power. Traditionally speaking, white cisgendered men <laughs> have held the majority of the wealth and by default, the majority of the economic power. So another reason that I'm excited to encourage women to make more money and have more money is that it takes up less headspace when we think about paying our rent, our mortgage, and where our next meal will come from. Having more money ultimately takes up less headspace. And I think there's this misconception out there that, oh, you you must be obsessed with money if you're wealthy when actually the opposite is true, I think. I think mo- most people who are dealing with under-earning and are in poverty focus on money a lot more than people who have an abundance of it, or they can tend to because legitimately their lives are at stake, their homes are at stake, they're, they're not sure where their next meal is going to come from. So I'm just a big fan of money and women making more of it. 
And I was doing a bit of research because I'd previously seen this documentary on happiness that came out, oh, I don't know, several years ago at this point. And I was just doing some research to see if there was any updated data on these numbers. But what I was researching was the connection between money and happiness and statistics between money and happiness. And back when this documentary was produced, the documentary is called Happy. They were saying that up till about sixty-five dollars to $75,000, money made a big difference in people's overall happiness because it affected their well-being. And beyond that, the actual effect of money and happiness, that connection there, was very, very minimal. Studies have since shown that actually more money now has a tendency to increase your overall sense of well-being and can lend itself to increased happiness as well, even beyond the threshold as to where your needs are being met. So even beyond that, studies are now showing that it can increase your overall happiness. Now, there are limits. In this study, they talked about natural disposition. So if you naturally are inclined to be more pessimistic, if you're naturally inclined to have an attitude that's not conducive to being positive, then you likely are not going to be as happy as someone who is regardless of your wealth. And also from my own personal experience, I can just say that a lot of people who are wealthy, I spent the last like seven years of my professional career as an executive assistant supporting high net worth people. And there was kind of this underlying belief, not with all of them, but with some of them, that they should be able to buy their way out of the less pleasant parts of life. But what ended up happening, the reality is that nobody can buy their way out of dealing with life. Like we all have to be adults. We all have to show up. We all have to do our jobs. And there is no way around those things, even for the ultra wealthy. And so it's just fascinating to watch kind of like the compounded suffering of folks who believe that they should be able to buy their way to happiness or they should be able to somehow buy their way out of the 50-50 of life. So if you're new to my podcast, if you've not heard me talk about the 50-50 of life, what I'm referencing when I say that is like, the 50% of life that's going to be challenging and hard, and then the 50% of life that's going to be awesome and amazing or much more abundant. So we both have to deal with both sides of life. Everybody has to deal with every side of life in that way. And I just found that so many people who are wealthy are not happy all the time. And then they compound their suffering by thinking that they should be able to buy their way out of that reality and out of that 50-50 of life. So I also spent some time, I went back when my husband and I were dating, he had to take a trip to Cuba and I got to join him on that trip. And I was just blown away by the vitality and vibrance of people living basically under a communist regime in Cuba and just how resourceful they were and just how happy everybody was. So I do think that there is a correlation between happiness and money for us. And ultimately, at the end of the day, you get to decide how happy you're going to be. Like happiness is truly a state of my mind. My mom and I were talking about this the other day. So mom, if you're listening, big shout out to you. (laughs) We were talking about this the other day that like happiness is a state of mind and you can tap into that or not. And you can just decide, make the decision to be happy or not. And so I just find it really fascinating, this conversation around happiness and money and the link for a lot of us in our society, statistically, that we do need a certain amount of income in order to be happy because we need to have that sense of well-being. And also 
Can we manage our minds to be grateful and thankful for what we have and also maybe expect more for ourselves at the same time? I don't think it has to be either or. I think it can be both and. I think that we can feel fully 100% connected to our lives and happy and content and at the same time be curious about what's possible for us and our earning potential. I'm going to get to more of that in just a minute. I think another thing that I want to touch on in this episode is that earning more money does not mean that you'll necessarily have more money. There's a difference between earning money and having money. So a lot of us are focused on what money can buy instead of the value of just having. And I'm pointing this out because I think that there is a shift at a certain point as we go through our lives and as we go through our careers and as we go through this kind of process of earning more money and increasing our value proposition at the office and then getting a raise or getting a salary increase or getting a bump. And the natural inclination is to do what we've always done and allocate that money to spend on something as opposed to just having money to have it and just kind of soaking it in that you now are going to be taken care of because you have money. (laughs) You've either set up a savings account, you've got, you've got money set aside for a rainy day, or you just hold on to it and have it for a little while before you spend it on something that you have intended to spend it on. So I would also encourage us all to get really good at the having of money, just holding on to it, not from a place of graspiness or not from a place of like desperation or neediness or lack or anything like that, but from a place of just to see what it'd be like to just have some money in the bank. (laughs) And for me, that was a big transition like in my 20s and in my early 30s when I was working at a nonprofit and I was really literally paycheck to paycheck. Like that was and I was really good with my money. I would only go out to coffee one day a week. And I was just very like regimented in my spending habits. And I just did not have a lot of expendable income or income that was extra or felt like it was more than just what I needed. So I was literally paycheck to paycheck. So when I started working in the private wealth management space and in the family office space, and I actually had more money my inclination was to go buy all the things that I couldn't afford earlier and sooner. And yeah, I had a savings account, but I actually had not practiced the having of money. And so getting used to that piece and then also realizing that all the stuff was just like a dopamine hit and that it was just, the dopamine hit was just so temporary. And what would it look like for me to actually just hold on to my money and have more money. (laughs) What would that look like? What would that feel like? And getting okay with what that felt like to just even have more. So these are the things that I want to bring your awareness to because I think a lot of us don't think about these things. And we certainly don't think about them from a place of abundance. Typically, it's from a place of lack. It's like, oh, well, when I get this certain thing, then I'll be able to afford this car because I'll be able to afford this car payment right? So I just want to bring this to your attention because honestly, if we're thinking in those terms and what ends up happening is that we take on debt and then we have this anxiety around how we're going to pay off the debt and have to maintain this level of income in order to pay off the debt. And then we end up with like a golden handcuff situation where we have to continue to make the certain amount of money and that actually reduces our options instead of enhances our options. So I just want to point that out to you guys that like 
Having money and earning money are two completely different things. It's completely possible to feel like you're under earning, like you want to be making more money. That's a completely different conversation than like having having more money. So I actually remember this one year where I had this huge financial goal and I'm like, okay, so I'm going to, I'm going to operate from the place of having already achieved the goal. Right. And in my mind, I'm like, well, if I had, would have achieved this goal then I would have purchased this car, this car that I really wanted. And so I just went out and bought the car and I see in hindsight, the error of the way I was thinking about that financial goal. Like, yes, you want to live into that goal and you want to become the person who would meet that goal, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you want to spend from the place of having met the goal when you have not met the goal yet, right? Now, I'm fine. I love my car. I drive a BMW X5. And guys, I got to tell you, it's it was used when I bought it and I never, it was my dream car. I was got you very used to only having cars that I could pay cash for, which meant that I primarily drove clunkers up till the car right before I got that BMW X5. And the car I had right before that was a lease. It was just a Nissan Rogue. I just did it on a lease because my husband and I were in the process of talking about starting a family and we weren't sure where we were going to be in two or three years. So the lease made the most sense at that time. And then once I the lease was over, I just decided to take the plunge and buy my dream car, which I had been wanting for so many years at that point and was really excited to purchase. But in retrospect, I can see that I made that purchase too soon, right? Because like I hadn't actually achieved the financial goal, even though I was living from the place of trying to make the decisions that would help me get there, I had not actually achieved that goal. So I just want to point that out to you guys that like, Yes, we want to live from the place of having achieved a goal and even a financial goal, but that does not mean we necessarily want to spend from that place. (laughs) Lesson learned, I still love my car. It's not that I'm not able to afford the car payments, but I think that if I were being wise and smart about it, I would have lived under my means for a couple more years prior to actually investing in the car. I probably would have saved up some more cash, actually had the money that I could have put down a larger down payment on that car, or maybe even just paid it off outright. And that would be the decision that I would make today with regards to finances. Now, the name of my car is Regina. My life is surrounded by boys and Regina and I, we have so much fun and I'm so thankful for her. Every time I get into her, I'm so grateful for her. I really don't have any regrets. And at the same time, I can totally see the error of how I was choosing to think about money back then. So my thought process now is I wanna get good at having money. Having money will allow me to explore all my options free from debt, free from insurmountable debt. And if I take on debt, I want to be intentional about that as well. So when it comes to happiness, with even more money, life is always going to be 50% awesome and 50% challenging. Sure, you may not be worried about where rent is coming from, but believe me when I tell you other things will pop up. You decide to buy your dream home and then the HVAC goes out or the water main goes out or the sewer line goes out. Like things will pop up. So the belief that we can somehow buy our way out of that reality will only compound our suffering. So I just want to, there again, I've said that earlier, I just want to drive that point home. Life is not going to be rainbows and daisies and sunshine all the time, regardless of how much money you make. And happiness is a decision. Now, this is just 
my hypothesis that happiness is just a decision, but I just found it to be true in so many different areas. I found it to be true in Cuba when I was there. I found it to be true with the people that I support who are really high net worth and like how each of them had a different mentality around money. And I got to kind of see and witness from the outside, kind of looking in how they, how they thought about money and what they believed about actually having money and how it connected to their happiness. And I am just choosing to live in the both and. So I'm choosing to be fully content and happy with where I am right now financially. And I'm choosing to be content and happy in my life on a daily basis. And I'm choosing to want what I already have. And I like wanting what you already have because it kind of brings back the dopamine hit of when you first purchased that thing, right? Like there's always a dopamine hit whenever we get something new, whether it's like a new blouse or a new car or a new house or whatever the case may be. When we purchase something new, when we get something new for ourselves, there's a dopamine hit that comes with that. And I have just really gotten in the practice of truly wanting and desiring what I already have. And that, my friends, is how we live in abundance. And that, my friends, is how we tap into luxurious living is by actively wanting what we already have. And I'm also choosing to pursue goals, and I do have financial goals, to pursue those goals from that place of abundance. And the reason I'm choosing to do that is because I know that it's not going to be better there than it is here. It's really not. Like it's not going to be better there than it is here. My needs on a daily basis are met. Thank you, God. (laughs) I'm very, very grateful. My husband has a stable job. I'm doing very well with Whole Assistant and we're able to pay for daycare and we're able to pay for my kids' education and we're able to pay for our bills. And that is a blessing that I'm choosing to acknowledge and I want the things I have already every single day. I'm not looking outside of that to fulfill something in me, right? So I think it can be both and. I think that you can want more for yourself. I think that you can want to explore what's possible for you and your earning potential. And you can be fully content and you can be fully in love with and enjoy your life as it is right now. Now, that's not to say that you wouldn't change certain things or that you wouldn't get out of debt or that you wouldn't have this or that or the other, for sure. But always living from a place of like wanting more and never believing that what you have is enough is no way to live. And it will actually rob you of your joy and it will actually rob you of your happiness. So when it comes to money and happiness, those are my thoughts. I really, really, really hope that you find them helpful. And I really just want for you all to live an abundant life and an abundant lifestyle and just truly appreciate what it is you have now and be grateful for what it is you have now. So in November, like this is our month of gratitude, right? Like Thanksgiving is later on this month for those who are in the United States. And I just want to help you kind of shift your mindsets around money and happiness. And a big way we do that is by being grateful for what we already have. More on that in upcoming episodes this month. I hope you found this episode helpful. Be intentional, be whole. That is all for now. I help assistants apply the concepts I share on this podcast. If you're ready to take your growth deeper and you're curious whether working with me in a coaching capacity is right for you, please email me at Annie, A-N-N-I-E, at 
coolassistant.com to schedule your complimentary discovery call.